Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hi, listeners. Listen to the Books and Boosts podcast with me, host Anna Temperley, and Marlena Lear as we crack open a bottle or two or three and dive into some interesting books, airing the first Wednesday of every month. Bye. There are phenomena that exist all around us. Kids playing above something and above something unknown flies over and disappears. People driving at night, seeing huge creatures cross the road. People waking up to find their cabinet door ripped open in their kitchen. Strange things happen. Strange things happen every day around the world and seemingly at the same time and area. But are these occurrences but are connected? These occurrences connected? This, this is, is what we are here to explore and are trying, and are trying to understand. Join us on our journey, to, us uncover on our journey to uncover what we call the, the Convergence Enigma. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan here on the UnX network as well as the fearscape media network i am your host stefan gearhart and i am joined as always by the uh balding sasquatch <laughs> mother figure of them all uh josh rutledge and by balding i just mean you're shaved completely hairless you're a hairless sasquatch yeah um that's probably accurate i mean i'm, I'm not nearly as tall as a sasquatch so like i'm balding and shorter i'm I'm really like an outcast of the sasquatch community yeah yeah i would say i'm i'm kind of a sassy squatch like if if i had to be anything i'm a sassy squatch um but anyways thank you josh for uh joining me as you normally do great news everybody (laughs) santosh is back (laughs) we got santosh back on the show with us uh because tonight we are going to be talking about the most famous alien abduction case uh in the history books uh the betty and barney hill uh abduction case and ufo sighting uh i'm super pumped to be talking and discussing about this we've been talking about it a long time josh we have talked about it on so many shows in fact we had betty's uh niece on the show kathleen martin um so we are pumped to be talking about this especially with our dude santosh here for alien abduction april that's the wrong sound. <laughs> no, I like your sound better than mine. Uh, but yeah, alien abduction, April, all month long, we're going to have uh, stories of alien abductions. Uh, and uh, this is the first one on the list. And that's why we had to have Santosh here. How you doing tonight, Santosh? I am living it life to the fullest right now. Happy to be here. Just like your lips, sir. Your lips are at their fullest as well. I was <laughs> waiting for your lip jokes. I thought that he was yeah, going to be Sasquatch for me. You, you, you can be a sassy squatch with me as well. I, I am a sassy squatch. You are a sassy squatch. So speaking of being lips? sassy, you shut your dirty smut mouth and let's move on to our first segment of the week, which is psychic word of the week. And now the 
Psychic Word of the Week. All right, Psychic Word of the Week. And uh, just kidding, you're, you do not have a smart mouth. You have a very beautiful mouth. Um, psychic Word of the Week, as usual, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary. Written by June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. Love you. Rest in peace. Uh, So uh, as you guys know, what we do, we flip through this incredible encyclopedic dictionary. Uh, This time I landed on page 636. And uh, the word that I landed on, uh, where did it go? I was just looking at it. I blame you, Josh. Um, Always my fault. It, it is, phone. it is, uh, is uh, where where to go? Where to go? Oh, here it is. Illustrate Sorry, I I usually mark it, but anyways, tuba tree, tuba tree tu- is the phrase uh, <laughs> that I landed on. But it's T O O B A, and this actually comes from the Quran. So it says, uh, tuba trees are enormous trees covered with many kinds of fruit, living in paradise or seventh heaven, not the, the not the WB show, uh, in the etheric world. Um, sits among rivers and springs that flow with water, milk, honey, and wine. Is a tuba tree. Interesting. Could you imagine how slow a uh, river of honey would flow? (laughs) I feel like a river of honey would flow way slower than a river of lava. I don't know. I mean, if you get a lot of honey flowing, it maybe flows faster together list what you do in your uh, love life josh uh to get that honey flowing is your thing but no i what, don't know is it it does hot honey flow faster mm-hmm. oh it would have to because cold the harvesters honey, are heated when they pull yeah. off the caps and stuff right. right because you have to yeah because honey can settle and get crystallized so i mean crystallize, yeah you know uh, the, All you gotta the, do is microwave uh, the, it. the scientist in me says that Honey in motion would create friction, thus creating heat. Therefore, it would heat the honey up, causing it to flow faster. I guess it depends on how steep the decline is. Or the physics of the other world we're inhabiting and looking at this tuba tree, which I had imagined was a band thing. (laughs) Right. All tubas, wooden versions, (laughs) come from the tuba tree in the Quran, where you can also eat bananas and grapes on the same tree. I, I, uh, I thought you just meant they grew on the tree, like to, you know, like you just walk up and pluck off a tuba. Pluck off a tuba, mm. yeah. Tuba, tuba, Steve. Um, it's not but, a tuba. Yep. Anyways, moving on. Uh, we are going to go on to our next segment. And boy, Santosh, do we have somebody that's excited to see you? So let's go ahead and move on to Cryptid of the Week. Oh yeah! Hi y'all. It's the Jersey Day. Hope y'all are ready to meet some of my friends. Cryptid of the Week. Hey, Santosh, what's happening, brother? Hey, handsome, how you doing? How you I'm been? I'm doing so good. I just want to say thank you so much for sending all the love that you have to my mother and creating that Facebook group that says mothers are people too. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And Josh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm only mad at you because I'm trying to impress Santosh. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah, I do love you. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, Josh, um, I just want to say that I'm super excited that you're you're moving to Phoenix. But I will say that you're in Phoenix more than Stefan is, and he lives there. <laughs> well, you know, that's not necessarily true. 
My heart's there, though. My heart goes out to you. Oh, thanks, man. Um, well, I will hand the reins back over to Stefan. But for this week, Santosh, um, I'll be here if you want to chit chat. But we're going to be talking about a really good friend of mine. His name is Burbalang. Nice. Bur- and not Burbalang a ding dang. <laughs> I might have another portrait for you sometime, too. Oh, my goodness. So, you know. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I always uh, showing that best side. Yep, always. And uh, my mother is beautiful. Thank you for always reminding me, Santosh. I'm just going to step over to the side there real quick. Stefan, do you want to take over? Yeah, I got it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so uh, this week on Cryptid of the Week, we are talking about one of JD's friends here, uh, the Burbalang. Uh, thank you, Jersey Devil, for uh, introducing me. I, did, I had never heard of the Burbalang until he showed me some pictures from uh, his last cryptid gathering. Uh, so the Burbalangs are mythical creatures in Filipino culture. Uh, they have they are human in appearance, but resemble the characters of vampires and have wings and slanted eyes. They dig up graves to feast on the corpses, so kind of like ghouls in, in a way. Mm. Um, and there's a there's an account here uh, of an encounter with Burber, Burbalangs. Uh, called Boy, it keeps making me think of the burbles from uh, Thundercats. Um, the burbelings uh, occurs in Rupert T's Gold's book Oddities, published in 1928. Now, Gold is the fairy guy, right? Isn't that right? He did the pressed fairy book, or am I making that up? Or was he one of the main people that like took those pictures of fairies in the early 20s and 30s? Wasn't that Robert Gold? I honestly don't know. Uh, somebody look that up while I'm reading this. Okay. Um, anyways, it says in the 1896 uh, and Gould is G O U L D. Uh, in the yeah. 1896 Journal of the Asiatic Society of Bengal, Mr. Ethelbert Forbes Sketcherly of Hong Kong reported the remarkable story of the Burbalangs of Kaigayan Sulu. Says at the center of the island is a small village, the inhabitants of which owe allegiance to neither of the two chiefs. These people are called Burbalangs, and the Kaigayans live in great fear of them. These Burbalangs are kind of ghouls and feed on human flesh occasionally to survive. You can always identify them because their pupils uh, are not round but just narrow slits like those of a cat. They dig open the graves and eat the entrails of the corpses. But in Kaigayan, the supply is limited. So when they feel the craving for a feed of human flesh, they go away into the grasslands and having carefully hidden themselves, hold their breaths and fall into a trance. Their astral bodies are then liberated. They fly away and entering a house, make their way into the body of one of the occupants and feed on their entrails. The arrival of the Burbalangs may be heard from afar as they make a moaning noise, which is loud from a distance, but dies away into the feeble moan as they approach when they are near you the sound of their wings may be heard and the flashing lights of their eyes can be seen like dancing fireflies in the dark should you be the happy possessor of a coconut pearl you are safe but otherwise the only way to beat them off is to jab at them with a chris the blade of which has been rubbed with the juice of a lime if you see the lights and hear the moaning in front of you, wheel fast and make a cut in the opposite direction. Burbalangs always go by contraries and are never where they appear to be. And yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't know if you've ever heard a Burbalang moan, but I once dated one. And whoa, boy, let me tell you, she moaned out a real horse whisper, boy. Let me tell you, it was like... <laughs> There's also a way to test for Burbalangs around. Can I get a, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what 
exactly what I'm talking about, Santosh man. Like they sound like they've been smoking for 30 years and laughed at something. That's what that moan sounds like. And then a, oh yeah. And yeah, he's right. I once got possessed by a Berbalang. And I'll tell you what, only reason I survived is because I happened to fall into someone's glass of tequila it happened to have a lime in there and it happened to have a piece of ice that was so sharp that it cut me and it shot that burbling straight out of my bosom <laughs> or i would be here right now trying to eat on josh's entrance burbling also sounds like some sort of a um uh i don't know a cajun dish it can be if stewed correctly i don't know if you know the difference do, between do stew they and soup, but... <laughs> Um, do they feast on the, I thought it was the entrails of the dead. Well, it can be, but sometimes they said that, you know, if you read the article, like I was talking about, and my friend that's mm-hmm. a burbling who cut his teeth out, he's not a bad guy anymore. That's why he's allowed at the meetings. Um, but he said that sometimes, you know, in, in Kayon, it was, it was tough to find dead bodies that hadn't already been violated by the burbalangs. And so they just had to do what they had to do. And so they would, they would, uh, uh, get inside someone and possess them and then eat the family. Mm. So they would kill them and then eat them. So it's a lot of work. There's a lot of work. What you had to do, because you had to wait like three days to get that corpse taste in there. Well, and it's messy the other way of uh, It's messy the other way around. You know, God bless you. Eating while they're it's still right. alive. Yes, yes, it is. And they, there. I don't know if you know about people moans, but people moans are gross. And if it, if it's someone who's been smoking a lot, it also sounds like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> sounds like thirty years of mortgage. Get away from the microphone. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of that um, of that movie. Um, what's the that? Uh, no, no, the the thing <laughs> people hang above their their beds to keep the bad dreams out. Dreamcatcher. There you go. The movie is the, called the name Dreamcatcher. You talk about it's the, called, the one with I did it. Yes, and Stephen that King. one, and that yes, and that that like part of the alien thing, like it gets like you eat flesh that was infected or chewed on by the alien thing and then it grows inside your body and it comes out your poop hole and then it eats you and then it you know grows and tries to get into the water source and all that mm-hmm. kind of jazz so yeah yes and fun fact before y'all get into your topic about benny and barty rubble um is that Dreamcatcher, the alien uh in the stephen king books is the same species as pennywise from it you're welcome mm. I knew that. I would have said that, but yeah, that's that's absolutely right. They are the exact same alien species. Mm-hmm. They are. Thanks, JD. Anyways. I don't know why they don't let you on more. Also, I I could find nothing on Robert Gold having to do with uh, fairies yes. or fae. La- Lady Colton's pressed fairy book uh, by Brian Froud and his wife Gould did come in on the teams later for like the okay. Sacred Heart or something ah, like that. See, I knew so there that's was why you're saying pressed fairy. I was like, that's mm-hmm. a Froud thing. Yep. But also, he was on Robert later. Robert Gould Shaw was a union officer uh, made famous uh, in in the movie uh, Glory. Cool. Thanks for that random knowledge we didn't need. Um, So let's go ahead, Josh, and let's move into our topic tonight, which is the uh, abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Boom. What do we got, Josh? Yeah, so it was an abduction. (laughs) <laughs> and thank Good you. Good night, night everybody. everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> now, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we've got the, uh, um, 
abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. It uh, happened in uh, 1961. Um, there's a couple of things that I think is is important to note here about uh, this particular abduction case. I mean, if if you're listening and you're not familiar with it, um, there are a number of books. We'll talk a little bit about some of them later on in, in, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some written by Kathleen, as, as we spoke about early on, some written at the time that it was happening. But just kind of the, some, some tidbits about the abduction that I think is good to lead off with. First of all, it was the first alien abduction claim in the United States. Right. So, uh, nothing else. What was? Uh, sorry to throw you up, but was there something uh, else worldwide before this that you're aware of? Because I've always heard that too. That it was first in the United States, and I'm like, oh, but what? Oh, I, you know, maybe it's that Brazilian case. I don't know. Sorry, don't know. I'm talking out my butt. No, I mean, but yeah, I mean, the the fact that it makes the distinction in the United States does imply that there was a case before. I just don't know what that case was. So. Thanks for pointing out uh, my ill preparedness for the uh, for the episode. Here You're welcome. Uh, that was also the first reported case of missing time. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, the first use of hypnotic regression to recover abduction memories. The first public description of what we know as the Greys. The first time a couple had claimed a simultaneous abduction. Okay, so you said that's the first use of hypnotizing with the greys, not just... No, hypnotic regression for memory No, the first use of hypnotic regression to recover abduction memories. Oh, what was that part about the greys? The first public description of what we know as the greys. Oh, publicly, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm, That, I, I was not aware of that. Um, and it's very interesting here that, uh, if you recall in the, uh, in the book, if you read Kathleen Martin's book, or if you've done any research, and if not, I'm going to talk about it here is that they actually talk about when, when Betty talks about her abduction by the individuals, she doesn't refer to them as the grays. So, uh, interesting that that's called out here as a, as a highlight, mm-hmm. but, um, so yeah, we, we, you've got, so let me talk a little bit about about Betty and Barney and, and, and who they were in their, in their situation that they were in. So, number one, uh, Barney was black, Betty was white. So, automatically in the 1960s, you've got an, an interracial couple. Uh, even in New Hampshire, uh, it, you know, they, they were singled out. They would have be stopped by police for no reason at all. Uh, and they were um, actively involved in the civil rights movement. Um, I mean, I hate to say it still happens, but yeah. Yeah. Even in the North. Um, they volunteered with the NAACP um, and they were basically living with the full time stress of being an interracial couple in this this period of time uh, in the United States. Which which, you know, uh, skeptics will bring this up um, as saying that's that's why this was all blah, 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 was to bring light onto interracial couples. But to me, I'm like, it's the exact opposite. Oh, you do not want to bring light yeah. onto that as an excuse for people to say why you shouldn't, you know, like, I don't also, know. Also, I, w- I want to make sure we, we're using the right terminology moving forward. 
debunkers is what you mean. Oh yeah, we are we are we are moving away from skeptics. Uh, Alan Greenfield definitely said that skeptics uh, we are all skeptics as well. Skeptics we are just constantly just trying to understand things and and we yeah. remain skeptical on things when there needs to be room for skepticism but the skeptics that are out there that call themselves skeptics and have skeptic society they are just simply debunkers their whole purpose is to just say what you believed what you saw was fake yep i'm just gonna say no no matter what it is the answer is no yeah so um but um they were trying to live uh normal lives you know betty was a social worker uh, taking on child welfare cases for the state of New Hampshire. And Barney worked for the post office, and uh, he actually commuted uh, every day to Boston and back uh, for his graveyard shift at the post office. Jeez. I wonder how far that was. <laughs> it, it actually said here that uh, before the events of September 1961, they actually got a lot of comic grief from their friends uh, for something that, that the Jersey Devil uh, slipped up and said a few minutes ago that, you know, they were Betty and Barney Rubble uh, from the Flintstones. Hey, I sees it like I says it. <laughs> um, it said, you know, the Hill case was so sensational that uh, many Americans uh, fell in love with it. And it was also very disruptive uh, in a time when most people wouldn't talk about ufos um let alone the idea that someone could be taken by a ufo uh and then even further still that there might be beings inhabiting yeah or or, or working within that ufo and, so, and we're going to be talking about this uh in a week or two where we're going to be talking about the contactee movement of the 1950s um, that was more about the space brotherhood and how kind and wonderful these Nordic alien men from Venus and how wonderful they were. Betty and Barney Hill's story was frightening. It was scary. And that was a, that was something that separated and they didn't try to start a cult like all the rest of those guys did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is definitely something different. So it's very, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. So the Hills had planned to stay in Montreal the night of September 19th. Um, and what they, you know, they were just, I think, on a little bit of a, a vacation, a honeymoon type trip. Um, and uh, Barney was a little discomfort, discomfortable, discomfort, had discomfort, whatever the correct <laughs> word. <laughs> I don't sure. know. Uh, words are hard today uh, yeah, about the possibility of getting a room as an interracial couple. Um, he already felt like an outsider um, and uh, living in the mostly white Portsmouth uh, part of um, but you know, the people in, in Montreal spoke French. So he just he felt a little unease. So instead of staying in a hotel room, they decided to pull a long late night into the early morning drive and just go ahead and head uh, back home. That would have been about seven hours of like back road drive um, through the mountains and darkness and all of that kind of stuff uh, before the sun would come up. Yeah. And they would have some light. Um, they stopped for food at a diner. Um, I'm sure they got a lot of stairs when they did so. Um, <laughs> Barney uh, got a cheeseburger despite his high blood pressure and Betty got 
the chocolate cake. You know what? I bet you because Barney got a cheeseburger, that's why he had the experience. <laughs> right. And she got chocolate cake, so she was like tripped out on sugar. They left just a few minutes after 10 p.m. So things got strange from here. Uh, and I'm just going to hit some of the highlights here. So they saw something in the sky that they thought might be a satellite or a plane, but it followed them. They tried to get away from it, but eventually it forced them to stop in the middle of the road and they could see that it was an actual wingless object. With binoculars, Barney even saw beans looking back at him through the windows. And now this is interesting because uh, Barney was in the military, so he was pretty well associated with what aircraft should look like right so yeah uh, the fact that he's scared of this is a big deal in my opinion yep now uh, they also it says here they heard a buzzing sound which is a pretty common report from a lot of different abduction cases yeah like, like kind of buzzing sound or sometimes uh, it's described as almost like a steam engine type sound mm-hmm. like and we'll be talking about that when we get into the pascagoula abduction yep. as well yep um, the next thing they knew, it was two hours later. They were 30 miles further down the road and not sure how they got there. And Santos, you'll know there were no Walmarts back then. So it couldn't have been the Walmart time wizards <laughs> getting you. Watch out for them. Don't don't invoke them. <laughs> <laughs> so this was just this had to be something else. I think you invoke them by walking into Walmart and saying, Funnel cake, funnel cake, funnel cake. No, I think you just invoked them no, by walking into Walmart in. going, Walmart yeah, I'm just going to grab That's something real quick. I'm just going to grab <laughs> I'll be right out. Yeah, I'll be right out. <laughs> Unfolds and you multiply it by two and add a half. Yeah. Um, so once they got back into Portsmouth, they realized that Betty's new dress was torn. Her earrings were missing. Barney's new shoes were scuffed badly mm-hmm. and they felt clammy and violated. The shoes? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. The shoes felt clampy. Yeah, clampy. Clampy. <laughs> um, Barney took a compass that he had and placed it on the trunk of their car. And uh, where he saw a collection of like half dollar sized uh, round spots that mm-hmm. weren't there when they left. And that compass just spun and spun and spun and went wild. So. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they also was wasn't like the back of the car hot or, or something along those lines? It was. Too? There was like a yeah. temperature, big like temperature a, difference, a big difference. Yeah. Big temperature difference where the and engines part of, in the front of the car. Right, so. in, yeah. And a part of a car where you wouldn't expect that to be the case. Right. Yep. So um, the car clock and their watches had stopped, which is another classic. See, the problem with calling things classic, a lot of them stem from this account. Yeah, it's the template. Yes, the Betty and Barney Hill case is the template yep. here. I mean, I'm set the bar. I'm pretty sure that you know Mufon's um, contact T form. You know, a lot of the questions that they asked really does stem from a lot of this stuff that was experienced as part. Of well, case, I mean, so. Kathleen Martin is you know the queen of Mufon, so I don't know, <laughs> that doesn't right. surprise me for her to be like, all right, let's put these down and these down, guys. This is yeah. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So they did report the case to Pease Air Force Base. 
uh, and to the National Investigations Committee for Aerial Phenomena. So, you know, and like, I wonder that quite cap, a bit. For sure, that, right? That's what they used to do back then. That that was the thing. If you if you had a UFO sighting, you reported it to the closest military base or police. And, you know, then it went through this phase where you just simply reported it to the news. And now it's nothing or MUFON, you know, it's like, but I wonder if military bases are still getting calls. Like, I wonder if that's still a thing because they don't report that stuff anymore. So, you know, well, we know that for some of the cases that we've looked at, once they closed Project Blue Book, any call to the military base, you were redirected to your local sheriff's department. Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. I, well, that was just Air Force, though. No, that was all military base. That was all military? What about Space Force? It didn't exist. I'm talking about right now, Josh. <laughs> what about Space Force? <laughs> Call them. Well, well that's, that's what I was wondering. Like, you know, so that's, again, post the closing of Project Blue Book. Now that uh, the Pentagon has announced that they've got the UAP task force, I wonder if there is a more official reporting mechanism although i think the uap task force is really only focused on military reported events well i say that the next time any of us and this includes you santos anytime any of us has a pretty good ufo uap sighting we live stream us calling space force and and (laughs) and submitting it just to see what happens because i don't want to make something up i want us to actually have something that we're reporting so that we're not you know spoofing or hoaxing or anything like i don't want to be a gray barker here but like i we should totally live stream us calling space force to see what space force does i mean you have to find the phone number for space force it's not that hard josh all you gotta do is learn to research He's on one tonight, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> There's a thing called Googly. Check it out. Um, so they, they did speak to a few kind of close friends and family. Everyone saw uh, really how shaken up they were. Uh, Betty began to have frightening nightmares mm-hmm. about being taken aboard uh, the saucer that they saw and weird dreams about blue people in uniforms. There you go. Mm-hmm. Smurfs. Yep. Well, they weren't short, I don't think. <laughs> uh, two years later, they submitted to hypnotic regression. So they went all that time just kind of talking to people, being investigated. They finally, though, said, okay, we'll do hypnotic regression. Uh, that was conducted by Dr. Benjamin Simon. Now, hold on. I want to I wanna go back because also didn't, and cor- again, correct me if I'm wrong, that Barney had rashes that were breaking out recent, like right after as yep. well. And he couldn't he explain did. them. He didn't know where they were coming from, um, but really severe, almost like eczema or something along those lines, even worse than that, that just came out of nowhere within like a week, within that week yep. of, of the, the sighting at that point. That's true. And, and also at the same time, um, you know, it was, we mentioned the tear in Betty's dress Mm-hmm. she actually noticed uh, a powdery substance around where it was torn and she did collect uh, a sample of that to kind of save away for for testing I mean um, you know Betty really approached it uh, I would say of the two um, Barney wanted to forget about it oh yeah Betty could Betty couldn't let it go not not in a bad way she just it was you know she wanted to solve the puzzle. And I, and I think that's uh, that's okay. I mean, well, if I mean, of, that's if, a 
that's the nature of things in the 60s already was, you know, the male was usually kind of, you know, but then you've got an African-American who's married to a white woman. And he doesn't want the spotlight right. on him. He's always been taught, you know, at that time to just back up, shut up and blah, 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 because that was the stupid culture back then. And so he didn't want anything added to that. And so he and his personality uh, from everything we've learned was a very keep to yourself kind of personality private anyway private private um even when it came to emotional things he kind of buried that stuff so yeah well that's that's been a topic of uh, discussion locally within our friends is like you know it's okay for men to cry so yeah (laughs) um but the uh the hypnotic regression also took place if i remember correctly in, in in kathleen's book uh they they actually went through several sessions of regression where um, he would he would place them under get key details and then put in place blocks to block their memory of what they had recalled uh, so that he could better um, prepare them for the knowing of what had happened. So, I mean, he, you know, Dr. Benjamin Simon, again, is who I'm talking about here with the he. I mean, he went through a lot of effort to make sure that they were safe. You know, several sessions with Barney. Um started to get um what's the word i'm looking for he started really kind of freaking out while underneath hypnotic regression just yeah uh, crying we've seen before yeah yeah. which yeah which we have mentioned before this happened to me um during mine with santosh um handling the hypnosis part of it but yeah it's like i Going back and reading Barney's account of everything, I'm like, I get it. And his was even crazier. I mean, because he was an adult, right? So he's having adult memories. I was having kid memories. Right. And so they were a little like crossed, uh, you know, uh, confusing, you know? Yep. But he's frightened because he's an adult. And it's it's scarier in some ways to be frightened as an adult because we're taught that we shouldn't be, right? Yep. Um, and, and he actually. Uh, several times, like I said, they had to shut the hypnosis down because he was getting so um, agitated in his kind of deep meditative state that he became, they, they were worried about risk or damage to his psyche. So um, a lot of, I think, debunkers, I would say, uh, point to Betty's um, want to understand what happened. And they say that that influenced Barney's position on things. I would say that the results from the hypnotic regression indicate that Barney was had his own experiences and were, was just as much traumatized by what had happened as Betty. Yeah. Um, the, so there are quite a few tapes uh, of those hypnotic regressions, about 11 hours. If you buy Kathleen's book, and it includes a link for you to go and listen to them. Uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, I have checked out a couple of them, and they're really interesting to listen to. Yeah, and I've heard a couple of them on some podcasts and stuff. And recently, um, I can't remember, because so Kathleen's got a new book that's out that's just talking about her life and stuff. But they also just recently, I believe on Discovery Plus, just released a new Betty and Barney Hill documentary um, that's a part of that same series that we saw the Hudson Valley 
um, mm -hmm. series. It's the same. It's a, it's part of that series. So they dropped two things. I can't remember what the other subject was, but they dropped them both um, in February, uh, like a week or two ago. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 from Kathleen, so it's it's kind of more along those lines. But yeah, you're gonna get to hear a lot of the the tapes and things like that on on that special on Discovery Plus. So it didn't take long, but a local paper got a hold of it. The uh, the Boston Traveler, um, and they broke the story, kind of an old fashioned kind of investigative type journalistic approach. That was done by uh, reporter John Luttrell. So later after Luttrell broke the ice, uh, author John Fuller wrote a book about the hills as well. Yeah, the OG book there. That's the one that the TV movie with uh, uh, Darth Vader's voice. Yeah. Um, uh, James, 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 James Earl Jones, Jones where he plays, yeah. he plays Barney Hill. Uh, TV movie. Yep. Straight to TV. Yep, straight to TV. It's it's on YouTube. Uh, in fact, you can go to Weird Lectures, which is uh, Johnny L. Tenney's um, YouTube page. It's the best. He has all the best old like documentaries and TV movies that have anything to do with <laughs> paranormal man. And that one's on there. I think it is just called Unexpected Journey or something like that. I mean, some of the um, experiences though that that Betty and Barney recalled for like the tests and things that were run on them while they were on board the ship. You know, uh, Betty talks about how a needle was placed into her belly button oh, as yeah. a pregnancy test. Um, you know, Barney talks about kind of having these very invasive scans. Uh, Barney had a, a false teeth because when he was in the army, he had, uh, he was close to a live grenade that went off and it caused him to have some, other wounds as well as uh, have all of lose all of his teeth so he had false teeth uh, apparently according you know uh, this is Betty's uh, account the they were confused as to why Barney's teeth came out yeah. um, like that they were able to physically remove his teeth in like one big kind of bite section like you get to confuse an alien good for you buddy <laughs> <laughs> don't, yep. and don't go like yeah like uh, Betty saw something that looked like a tablet what we know as a tablet today right like she describes it it's crazy how it sounds exactly what a tablet would be almost you know she talks about how she kind of befriended one of the uh, i guess the leader of the group that was on the craft and um he had given her a, a book to take or a tablet to take off the craft and at the last moment he said nope i'm sorry actually i, I can't give this to you uh, she talked about how there was a star map mm -hmm. um, on the wall that kind of showed the origin of the craft and the you know like zigzaggy kind of route that they had taken to get there, and that the craft actually originated from Zeta Reticuli, which is great. So the thing that I learned about this that is really really interesting is that she created this before Zeta Reticuli was discovered, and so her star map was created. Um, years before and then once that came out they were able to place her star map to realize that she was talking about zeta reticuli um, so it's really really interesting that 
you know, here's this thing that everybody said she was crazy because everybody that was astronomers and things like that were like, there's nothing there. We don't have anything. It's bunk. It's bogus. Um, but there was a woman that did all the mapping. And then once Zeta Reticuli was discovered, it was found that that fit her star map almost perfectly. And one kind of uh, big name in the UFO world uh, that really got involved and became a really good friend of Betty's as well as uh, Kathleen's is uh, Staten Friedman. Yep. Which is, which is, 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 you know, uh, if there is anyone that I would call a true skeptic in the UFO field, it would be Stanton. And to, mm. to show how much he got involved in this case and was behind it says a lot. I mean, here's, here's a, here's a guy who believes the Betty and Barney Hill case doesn't believe um what's what's his cat from area 51 s4 what's like bob lazar yeah bob lazar the most anti-bob lazar dude that ever <laughs> so. lived he was t- he took that to his grave man hating bob lazar <laughs> <laughs> yeah he did um but you know it, it's just uh he 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 was quite a big name and, and he uh i think he he worked with uh i think i want to say he wrote a book or maybe he worked in collaboration with Kathleen on her book. He did. Um, but, uh, but I mean, he was uh, also very involved in the case. I mean, uh, to, to the day that, that Betty um, uh, died, she held on to that this was, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually passed in 2004, so relatively recently here, um, of lung, lung cancer. Um, Barney, though, uh, all of this got to him yeah and his work with the NAACP um, and then you know working with city and county and state politicians and community leaders and everything Barney died in 1969 of a brain aneurysm yep and people do people a lot of people say that it was due to stress I mean here's a guy that wants to keep to himself and is constantly being forced to be put into the limelight not to say that Betty forced him to do this she was happy to do it on her own but yeah he couldn't escape it he couldn't escape it and yeah, yeah. so I mean um, you know just some of the other uh, accounts that uh, thinking back about the actual the night of the craft so the uh, you know, one of the things that Barney talks about is there were like wings that came out from the side of the craft and one had a blue light and one had a, a red light. And, and I don't see, I don't mean like wings, like we think about on a, on an airplane, they were more like, um, I don't know, like rods that kind of stuck out from the side of the craft and had a blue light and a red light on, on either one of them. And it was kind of flashing different colors. And it really makes you think if, uh, you know, that was some sort of an, an, an attempt to hypnotize them while they were on the ground um, so that they would be more easily uh, carried onto the ship. Yeah. And then um, maybe it was just the, the flash function of their really high tech cameras. That absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's several times Barney talked about after he did his regression, several times he talks about um, the he was driving along and all of a sudden the car would speed up. Um, He was forced to make a left hand turn that he would not have made any other time. He felt like the car actually made the turn and, and with his hands on the wheel. 
you know, several times they talked about how the car felt like it was kind of under uh, someone else's control, not his own. You know, he did he did have a pistol in the trunk when he got the binoculars out. He took the pistol out, but for some reason he never actually used the pistol. So it's just, it's really interesting. Um, oh, oh I, I also remember, I'm sorry, this just came to me when I was thinking about it after reading the book. Um, he knew he was going to be taken. And we and we talked about this when we had Kathleen on uh, the show uh, about a year ago that, you know, we asked if the fact that he knew he was going to be taking, taken implied that he had already been taken before. Right, or he was a part of something when he was in the military. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing uh, that I'll point out here is that uh, MK Ultra, you know, later was discovered to be, you know, that the program that was put together by the government for kind of like some really mind. <laughs> mind foolery if you will mm -hmm. um dedicated experience with mind control uh powerful psycho active drugs and things anyways the uh, location for the base of operations for mk ultra uh is 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 thought of to be montreal which is where oh. betty and barney had just come from interesting yeah i did know that that a lot of mk ultra stuff uh started in canada from an American base there. So it really makes you wonder if there was anything going on there from an MK Ultra perspective. Not necessarily that they hallucinated it, but that there was, that this was just another attempt at how can we mess with people, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did want to say real quick that the TV movie is called The UFO Incident. Um, that's the name of it. Uh, the book was called... Um, uh, on an uninterrupted journey, um, not unexplained journey, like I had said, I did want to put that out there. Uh, and of course, like we had talked about, that because of this and Kathleen remembering Betty talking about this and all this stuff, she she was one of the founders of MUFON. I mean, we would not have MUFON today had the Betty and Barney Hill case not happened um, because really the last big thing was NICAP, and that's been gone for yeah. quite some time. So, uh, but very, I, I highly recommend the UFO incident. It, it's cheesy, but another big anti person, which was really, really surprising and used this quite a bit to uh, just be a jerk. It's one of my heroes was Carl, Carl Sagan. He was so yeah. against the Betty and Barney Hill case. Like it but was, you know, no, and he used it. He even, it's even talked about in Cosmos. Like he talks about it. It's so weird about Carl Sagan though because in the early days he was a proponent for huge proponent and then all of a sudden he switches his tune to now it's all a hoax or whatever it really you know it's something we've talked about before it really makes me think if somehow he was like read in on something and then decided to take a different route so there's a there's a number super of jealous maybe yeah well there's a couple i mean we uh, you and i have said it before we keep waiting for lou elizondo to be like uh none of this is real now like now that he's getting in deep into the to the uh governmental side of things yeah like is he gonna get read in presidents did the same thing you know oh, clinton's yeah. big thing i will tell 
everybody about the aliens when I find out. And then he was just like, can't talk about it. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at look at when the UA, you know, when the UAP report was, we were all waiting on it. Obama was on one of the talk shows. I can't remember which. Mm-hmm. And he was asked about it, and he said, "I can tell you that that I know some stuff, but I can't tell you what that stuff is." Yep. Uh, what was it? There was also. Was it Jimmy Carter that had yeah. an experience? Jimmy Carter then- has a documented experience. Uh, he was a big UFO nut until he got into the White House. Then it yeah, changed. so it it really I mean it, it really does make you wonder what what they all found out about that uh, changed their tune, so to speak. Um, you know, is, is it all stemming from the Brookings report? saying that we the people are not ready to know the answers is it really a threat you know is it kind of like that movie don't look up you know don't don't tell anybody until it's too late or not, yeah. not, you know whatever so i don't know just to bring it back to betty and barney hill i mean that is scary and if that's something that's happening to people out there, i mean look uh, <sighs> I can fall into the skeptical camp and say that the stuff that happened after the initial um, documented encounter was fabricated or, or a, a believed fabrication of even, you know, but we can even go there. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give credit there and say, yes, that's a possibility. Um, whatever. But that first bit, I mean, look how stressed out Barney was, man. <laughs> like, I just, I can't buy into well, the fact that he'd be okay with any of this. Like, well, making they, it up if it was all fake. And they tested the stuff that was found around the rip in the dress. And mm-hmm. there was the car. Like, you know, it, it, it didn't come back to any known substance. Um, there's the the fact that, uh, you know, if you recall in, in, Kathleen, in Kathleen's book, she talks about how Betty tried to work with NICAP to call like she she felt like she could call the you know the the extraterrestrials or whatever the craft to her and so she would set up times where they would go out and set up their instrumentation and she would call them to to come and and uh you know not you know she wasn't picking up her rotary phone and calling but you know she would <laughs> tele telepathically or whatever uh call them for them to come and uh and be there and there was always some reason right provided as to why they couldn't uh be there but i mean it was just really interesting i mean again why given the situation that they were in and and the attention and and what it meant why put that all out there as a falsehood so what do you think santosh a couple of things um i keep wondering what kind of rip because that says a lot too right if it was pulled apart if it was snagged on something if it was cut open if a sample of the dress was taken in a rough way like uh, my uh, nerdy forensics television show side is is caught right. up on that but then the other one was you, you were talking about um it staged and i wondered if like the moon landing there was a refilming because of reasons and yes that was fake but that was just a recreation of what had happened because the, happened. the the true footage had gotten lost in that same way like this is we're talking about the quintessential abduction case this yeah. sets the template for all the others and I don't know it doesn't it bother 
does it in, do, does it bother either of you that when one detail in a story comes out officially then somehow it's included in other stories that follow right and and that happens Sadly. they're a little less unique than they were when a, until a pop culture reference happens yeah hmm. Yeah, and, that, and that's a thing that happens when you get into the era of John Mack and those guys is that they do, they talk about that, that they perpetuated some of those stereotypes and um, pushing any time that they could find anything that was closely similar when they would report it in their books and things like that. They would just twist it just a hair to fit that same narrative because it would fit that narrative. Um, and the yeah. same goes with the, they say that, you know, science fiction television is the same thing that all of a sudden you know there's a claim out there that the alien that um betty describes looks exactly like an alien from an episode of outer limits that aired that same week that mm. uh that aired a few days before and they more than likely would have watched that show because it was a very popular show so yeah i mean i think it's also one of those things where as time goes on the average person right your memory starts to to, to change you start to like you were saying Santos you start to appropriate things that are discussed or topics or whatever and next thing you know that becomes part of your your memory structure for the, the events that happened uh, and also really not to bring it back too far around but the you know our, our friend uh, not really a friend but the person we know Dr. Stephen Greer um, if you listen to his account his account is is that all abductions are military abductions yeah so you know he says the, the the beings that are out there would never do such a thing uh then if you listen to bashar uh, it was done because they have no emotions and they didn't yeah. understand that they were causing problems so if you do it uh veal uh, woody derenberger they were just humanoids they were pink and they're just stealing stuff because that's their yeah. culture <laughs> that's their culture yep that's what happened to all those missing four one people Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks, Josh, for all of that, man. Uh, that's the Betty and Barney Hill case in a quick wrapped up bubble. Um, we could talk about this for days. Uh, and there is a lot. Again, I, I've mentioned this before, but Strange Arrivals, um, highly skeptical podcast, but he covers it in a great deal uh, in the first or second season. I can't remember. Um, but it's really, really interesting. I learned quite a bit from him, even coming from a debunker. Um, it, it was still very, very interesting. Um, and, and there's an episode of Project Blue Book that, that covers it as well. So, uh, but let's go ahead and move on and get out of here. All right. Thank you, Santosh, for coming on the show. Um, JD is just literally sitting there in Zen mode. He's so happy to see you. <laughs> it is reciprocal, reciprocated even. Um, but I know you got some psychic sleep stuff going on. If you wanted to share a little bit of information on that for our listeners, uh, that they can kind of take part in that, you know, we've shared it quite a bit, but where can they find info on that? Um, heck yeah. And they should also be on a lookout because Josh and I are collaborating on, uh, a guided meditation to, to help with one's astral projection Ooh. shenanigans. Uh, but what's going on right now, psychic sleep, uh, runs, Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, it's about an hour and a half long guided meditation. Uh, various benefits. You can look at all that on the website, uh, santoshdavid.com, which can 
also if you if you want to test out the waters before coming to the live session you can buy one of those recordings which we highly recommend they are excellent santos i gotta give they you are. credit where credit is deserved thank you both um it is really really good um you can also go to fearscapemedia.com uh we'll have a link there like we said to santosh's stuff as well as all of our stuff all the other cool stuff uh that's there you know you know for uh t-shirts and the like uh, <laughs> mugs t-shirts all that stuff uh, it's a really good and of course you know you can go to the onx network's website as well find out all that stuff and follow everybody on social media because that's what we do, people. We follow each other. Follow, 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 like follow. Stackers. Follow. Like stackers. Follow um, me on the road. But yeah, we, we've got some fun episodes, like we said, coming up this month. Uh, we're going to be talking about Pascagoula, some contactees, and some other stuff. Uh, really, really excited. Alien abduction April. Um, uh, my baby should be here by now. I'm really, really okay. excited. We've pre recorded this, so I haven't had a baby yet, but I'm really, really excited. Um, so <laughs> about being a daddy um, and my kid is going to be inundated with all the alien stuff and when she's old enough Josh I'm taking her to the MUFON symposium uh, with us yeah I'll probably like 12 or 13 because if not you'll just hear I'm bored uh, I'm no, bored that's your kids not mine mm. uh, because my kid is going to be hanging out with Uncle Santosh and we are going to be imagining ourselves. We know how to use our imaginations, people. I teach improv here. <laughs> um, but yeah, also don't forget, you can check out all of our past episodes, whether it be from the Convergence Enigma or even back in the day when it was Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. You can find that at theconvergenceenigma.com. Com. Uh, check out Josh and I's uh, side little project that we do for the Debrief, which is a fantastic news organization that covers science tech uh, and, and UFOs and all that stuff is Tech Talk, where we talk about techie stuff because, you know, yeah, we're nerds and we love UFOs and ghosts yeah. and all that stuff. But we also love technology because we feel like that's a part of the Convergence Enigma as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But yeah, just go to YouTube.com uh, slash Debrief Media, I believe, or just search Debrief Tech Talk into YouTube and find tech talk because it's a lot of freaking fun and astral stew oh i gotta throw out astral stew while we're here that's our the three of us that's our youtube mm -hmm. show and podcast called astral stew the podcast is available it's out now on fearscapemedia.com uh, slash astral stew you can find it there as well as the youtube channel uh youtube.com slash fearscapemedia check that out that's the three of us you can see our beautiful faces uh, and all that stuff but let's us. go ahead and get out of here and uh santos i'm going to give you an opportunity to do your byline so uh this has been stefan and uh just a reminder keep your eyes on the skies this has been josh the truth is now this has been santosh and i still don't have a byline ah! <laughs> well i hate you but just remember <laughs> folks uh keep searching and keep questioning good night everybody good night good night